Amen. All right. Well, it is um, great to be with all of you. Um, everyone looks so sharp, you know. Um, so thanks for getting dressed up. But before I jump in the message this morning, I want to do something special that we do here at Christmas time on Christmas Eve. And so if you are a child, you know who you are. Um, come on up here because I've got a special gift for you, all right? So you're going to come up here. So if you're a kid, if you can walk or crawl, you are welcome. Walkers and crawlers or scooters if you're into scooting. Some of my kids decided to scoot instead of crawl. It's okay. Okay, you got to have a seat, though. So just have a seat somewhere. You can sit on your knees. You can sit um, cross-legged. That's great. Oh, you got a front row seat. That's great. All right. Come on through. We'll move the fire away from you guys. Fire? Yeah, the fire and the candles. Okay, kids. So, hey, a couple things. Um, what's exciting about Christmas is that we get gifts, right? It, Jesus is absolutely. I'm going to talk more about him in just a minute, too. But I want you to know something, that Jesus is the greatest gift, right? He's the greatest gift we can get. And if you guys remember in the story, if you were here last week, some of y'all were in the play. Who was in the play last week? Yep, some of you guys. I remember some of you. And there were three wise men, and they gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave gifts to Jesus as he was born as a little baby. And what's great about Christmas is that not only do we get to receive gifts, but we get to give them as well. And so I think that all of you are probably going to be getting at least one gift, one present um, tomorrow morning when you wake up on Christmas Day. Some of you may even get more than one. You may get a lot. You may get a few. I remember growing up, my mom usually just give us three because she thought, hey, the three wise men, Jesus got three gifts, you get three gifts. So sometimes I was like, hey, mom, I want more than the wise men, you know. Um, but we got three. And so even today, my mom, actually grandma to my kids, she gets three gifts every year. To all of our grandkids, um, there's a lot to buy for, so it makes sense practically. But for you guys, you're going to get gifts right now, not just tomorrow morning. But the gift I'm about to give you is special. So you got to stay seated, though, so I can show you this. Okay, it's a candy cane. Everyone's seen one of these before. Now, a couple of things about the candy cane. You probably know this already, but looking like this, you remember from the play last week, you had the shepherds, and they have like a, what's it called? A staff. A staff. A staff so they can hook the sheep because sometimes the sheep kind of wander off. I know we don't have a lot of sheep around Brian and College Station, but if you were to see some sheep, they would kind of trail off. So a good shepherd would go and take that, that staff and kind of hook those sheep back to bring them back into the fold so they were covered and protected and taken care of and close to the shepherd, okay? But if you turn this candy cane upside down, what's it turn into? Anyone other letters? A J for Jesus. So whenever you eat a candy cane, I want you to think, not only is Jesus trying to hook me as the good shepherd and then bring me back close to him, because that's what he wants to do. He wants you close. Did you know that? He wants you close to him so you can know him and you can feel his love. Not just know it in your head, but you can feel it and experience it. Just like when you are with your family here at Christmas and you get to open up gifts and presents and it's a lot of fun and you feel the love in the room, Jesus wants you to feel that from him. But he also wants you to know that whenever you eat a candy cane, that, hey, you're thinking of, man, this is what Jesus did for me. It's the greatest gift. This is a simple little candy gift. You'll eat it. It'll be gone here in 10 minutes in your belly, and that'll be that. But I want you to remember, when you have one, it's a great gift, and it's sweet, and it's tasty, and it even stains your mouth a little bit, right? Your tongue, after you get a little red tongue. 
right, is minty. And so we want you to eat this candy cane this morning. Even as you walk out of here, you're gonna have a little red tongue. I don't want you to think, hey, you know, it's gonna remind me of Jesus and what Jesus did for me, that he died on the cross for me because he loves me and because he wants to take my sins away, all the bad things I've ever done, he wants to take them away so that I can be free and know him and love him and spend all of eternity with him in heaven. Because Jesus, when he was here a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, when he left, you know what he said to his disciples, to his closest friends? He said, guess what, guys? I'm going away to go prepare a place for you, a really awesome place, a big, big house, a big, big place to where we can enjoy him and spend forever with him. Sound pretty cool? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. So this Christmas Eve, here's what we're gonna do. I've got candy canes. I think we've got some other candy canes, maybe somewhere from some other sources. Um, I think they're around here. So if we could grab those also. We've got candy canes. So kids, here's the deal though. You take one and you're gonna give one away. So everybody, you get one and you give one away. There's people over here to the right and left. So you get one candy cane for you and one to pass out. Ready? Go for it. So you can go over there too. Look, there's candy canes right there too. Hop up, you get one and give one, okay? So get one and give one. There's some over there, some over there. And when you give it away, say, Jesus loves you, okay? To each person you give away to, make sure they know that, all right? Okay, I think these ones are empty. Go over there, right over there. There's some over there, right there. So if you got more than two, that's okay. Just spread some around to other people, okay? So we wanna give a gift to others, okay? So if you didn't get one, there's some over there, and there's some over there, okay? That's okay, so you get one and go give one away, all right? Parents, it's up to you if you want them to have seven candy canes or not. That's on you. I'm not, I'm not their parent. But they can have one if your mom and dad say it's okay, all right? All right, so grab those and then head back to your seats, okay? Go give a candy cane away to somebody. You can give it to your parent. You can give it to a stranger you see in here, a friend. Go give a candy cane away, okay? So you get one and give one away, all right? And then make your way back to your seats with your mom and dad, okay? All right. Man, these kids are cute. Did you find one? This guy's got one. He's just, he's just wandering around. Parents, if you see your lost child wandering around, just go ahead and swipe them. Uh, close the doors. Close the doors. No kids exit the room. Security. All right. All right, once you've got it, head back to your seat. Head back, head back. Now, kids, listen. I gave you a gift of a candy cane. So I'm gonna ask that you give me a gift. You ready for this gift you're gonna give me? You're gonna give me the gift of being quiet. Shh. Okay? So kids, I gave you candy cane, so don't eat it all in one bite. Kind of lick it and make, you, make sure it takes you a while to eat it. And then probably by the time you're done eating your candy cane, I'll be done talking and we'll all leave together. Sound good? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Well, guys, as we celebrate Christmas, um, we do have the opportunity to look back at this year, right? I know we're not to the end of the year. We've still got a few days left. But whenever we get to this time of the year, we want to look back. And every year is unique, right? Um, whatever 2022 was is different than 2023, and 2024 will be different. Our world is ever-changing. Um, there are great things that happen and terrible things that happen. There are opportunities and challenges. There are missed expectations. You could probably pause and think about some things this year that you expected to happen that didn't happen. And some other things you didn't expect that came about. And those are good and bad. But that is part of life. The world we live in 
um, we have a uniqueness, and every day is an adventure, and it's ever-changing. But the great thing about Christmas and what we celebrate is that we are putting our faith and our trust in a God who is unchanging. He is constant. He is consistent. He is um, always to be trusted. He fulfills his promises. Um, he will never fail you. And that's what Christmas is about. It's about looking at Jesus and God coming to this earth. And when we celebrate Christmas, um, even as we think about, we celebrate Jesus coming, born in the manger, his mother, Mary, and we know that in that story that um, an angel shows up and he speaks to Joseph. And he tells Joseph, because Joseph, remember, was betrothed, engaged to Mary, and he tells him, and he says, hey, guess what? In this, in this dream, uh, Mary is with child, and it's not yours. It's from the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you're gonna call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which in Hebrew, which Joseph spoke Hebrew, he knew that meant God with us. So he's literally supposed to call this child that's gonna be born from Mary Emmanuel. And so I was praying through this and thinking this week, and one asked the question, you know, if God's way was to send his son Jesus to earth, why didn't he send him another way? Like, why did he have to be born of a woman? Why didn't he just drop out of the sky? He could do that, right? Why didn't Jesus um, arrive as a full-grown man, right, with huge muscles and and the nice beard and just, he's ready. Like, why didn't he just show up fully grown? Like we see these superhero movies and they just kind of show up from another planet, right? Um, why did Jesus come as a baby? A little chubby baby, you kind of poke and squeeze. And I was telling my kids this week, I said, we were talking, one of them was asking me about who was the fattest baby in our family. And <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure, I'm not gonna call any of them out. So that's a private matter. But we do have some that were a little chunkier than others as a baby. And I was telling this child, I said, listen, it's good for babies to be fat. Like the fatter, the better. Now that's really the only time in our life that we're like, we want to be super fat. You know, it's when we're a baby because they need to be chunky and that gives them all the nourishment and when it's cold and they're warm and all those things. And we were talking about this chunky little baby and I was thinking about Jesus. I don't know the size of Jesus as a baby. That doesn't really matter. But I was thinking about how he probably was a little on the chunky side. Like he was cozy. That he got his good mama's milk and that as Jesus was born, Emmanuel, God with us, that, Jesus, that God chose for his son, his only son, to come into this earth as a child. But let's look at that for a minute. So why? Like why did he come as a child? Why is the virgin birth of Jesus from Mary, why does that really matter? Well, first, it demonstrates that Jesus is truly divine and that he's truly human, that he's fully God and fully man. Uh, in John chapter one, verse 14, you remember John was one of the disciples. He, he said um, in John 1, 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is when the Son of God took on human flesh without losing his divine, his godly nature. So being born as a baby meant 
he took on the human nature because he was already God, which then meant he was able to be the mediator or the in-between um, with his innocence and his perfect holiness. He could then be the perfect bridge between sinful people and a holy God. Um, meaning that he could take my sin so that when God saw me, he actually saw Jesus and then he saw me, that he sees me on the other side of Christ. That's what it means to come to him, that Jesus stands before you. He stands with the Father, stands with you before you, and he's covered you in his holiness and in his forgiveness. You see, if Jesus had not been born of a woman, then he, um, people would not believe that he was fully human. And at the same time, if his birth came any other way, people would question his divinity, his divine nature. If you think about the beginning of creation, if you read in Genesis chapter one, it talks about how God created the heavens and the earth and talks about the earth was formless. But what to say, it says that the spirit of God was hovering over the earth. But it was formless, it was dark, it was barren. And isn't it interesting that when the angels spoke to Mary and said, you're gonna become pregnant, but it's gonna happen by the Holy Spirit coming upon you, that Mary was barren, her womb was empty, it was dark. But then the Holy Spirit of God came and brought life, just as in the beginning of creation. The Spirit of God came, and therefore, Jesus being born as a human, as a baby through the woman meant he was truly human and truly God. But it's also essential that he came as a child um, because what's important is that Jesus, unlike every one of us, he did not inherit one thing. When he was born, he did not inherit sin. Sin nature was not with Jesus when he was born like it is with us. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So we know that Jesus lived a perfect and holy life, but let's go back to this idea of him being born not into sin, even though he's born into this world, which we are. It says in Psalms 51.5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Jesus Christ had to be born of a woman so he could be fully human and fully divine, and he had to be that bridge. At the same time, it is through the Father, when you read through the Old Testament, you look at the sins of the Father, and how and God knew that because of Joseph and his sin nature, that that could not be passed on to his son Jesus. Therefore, Jesus came from a holy God. That's why he was born, so then he could be perfect and holy from day one, from the get-go. It was important that Jesus came through Mary, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that Joseph the carpenter did not pass on his sinful nature to Jesus, but instead it was God's nature passed on. But sometimes I thought about, okay, well, why did God choose Mary? Why did he choose Mary? Well, I don't know all the reasons, but I just want to point out a few, and this is to mostly encourage you and affirm 
the prophetic scriptures in the Old Testament leading up to Christ's birth and why it was so important and how God is so detailed in this story, just like he's so detailed in your life. He knows everything about you. He knows where he's placed you. He was so detailed and purposeful so that people throughout generations could look back and say, wow, God had a plan that he kept weaving together. We couldn't see it. We didn't know what all the signs meant, but he had a plan so that we can be encouraged today. He didn't just have a plan. He has a plan. He didn't just have a plan for Jesus Christ to come to this earth and then live for 30 years and then start his ministry and then die after three plus years and this, this, this gruesome death on the cross and then be resurrected and that's it. No, the plan's continuing. We're in the middle of the story. The story hasn't ended. The story's continuing. Well, in Matthew chapter one, it talks about Mary and um, or actually in Matthew chapter one, it describes the lineage of Joseph. So if you read Matthew's, gospel and you read Luke's gospel, you're going to see two genealogies that are just a little different. So biblical scholars have kind of debated that. And, and the, the overarching determination is that in Matthew, he's actually describing the family tree or the bloodline of Joseph. And that Luke is actually describing the bloodline of Mary. But when they wrote in the Bible, they didn't actually include the women when they talked about the genealogies, they talked about the father's. So that's why Mary's name isn't necessarily mentioned throughout there. And so in Matthew chapter one, he describes the lineage of David to verify that he indeed is from the line of King David. In the gospel of Luke in chapter three, he describes the genealogy of Christ and, and, and of Mary showing that he is from the right family tree. Luke traces the lineage of Mary back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but more specifically to the tribe of Judah. You see, prophesying the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah the prophet in chapter 11, verse one said, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, who was the father of David, King David, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So coming from the line of David, that that's a prophecy that had to be fulfilled, written hundreds of years earlier before Christ was ever born. But let's fast forward to a part we haven't gotten to in the story, which is called Revelations, and in chapter five, verse five, it says this. Speaking of Jesus' return, Billy just said, we're talking about celebrating Christ's coming and we're looking forward to Christ coming again. In Revelation five, it says, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Right there. It's again saying, guess what? The lion of Judah, the root of David. This is Jesus. This is the one true Christ. This is fully human, fully divine, fully God, the one and only. There are no substitutes. There are no others. They're all fakes. They're all lookalikes. <laughs> but there's only one. And so Mary, it was important that God chose Mary and Joseph, this pairing to raise Jesus. And what's interesting too is we... We do the Christmas story and we read about Bethlehem and, and sometimes we forget the significance of that, but you have to remember that, um, that Bethlehem was the place to where Christ was going to be born. That was prophesied in Micah 5.2. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for, uh, for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient Israel. 
days. Now, this is a town in Bethlehem. It's a region of Judah. And Micah, he's describing it 100 years earlier again. This is where he's gonna be born. But remember the story, right? They only went there because the government was doing the census and he had to go to Bethlehem for him to be born. So you have this reality that Joseph had to go back there because that's his family lineage. Then you look at how Jesus was called a Nazarene, right? Well, Mary was from Nazareth. And being called a Nazarene in those days was kind of an insult. It like wasn't good. It wasn't like, yeah, I'm from Nazareth. You know, it was like, boo, right? It was, okay, you people don't shower as much, right? Like you people are kind of looked down upon. And so guess what? God in his wisdom chose to take the people that amongst the Jews were looked down upon and kind of, you know, put to the side to say, that's where my son is going to grow up. He's gonna grow up in that part of the town because I want him to know, and I want everyone to know that he is the king, but he knows the lowest of lows. He knows what it's like to be amongst the poor and the hurting and the needy, and he is unlike any other king. No other kings grew up like that. The other kings grew up in palaces and throughout the ages, but he's the only one that grew up in this humble, meek state because God wanted to make the message loud and clear. He is coming for everybody. Not just a certain class, not just a certain race, not just a certain type of people. He's coming for anyone that's got a beating heart. He's coming for you. Jesus came from Nazareth. Mary was from there. And lastly, what I want to say is that why did God choose Mary? There's this line that the angel says to her and says, you have favor with God, a favored one. Um, the word favor literally means grace, right? The undeserved favor and unmerited love from God. I share these things about Mary, not because Mary is a central focus of the story, but because I want you to see how God has threaded through his wisdom and his story into this specific pairing in this moment and why it was necessary for Jesus to come in human form, to come as a child that we celebrate here at Christmas and why we can be encouraged that he is coming back a different way than he came. Right? He's not gonna be born of a woman again. That's one and done. He will come back as a full-grown man on the clouds, right? And I don't know if he's gonna be smiling or what's going on, but he's gonna be intense. Like Jesus came, kind of pudgy, chubby Jesus, little baby, ooh, ooh, gaga, but he ain't coming back like that. He's coming back in power and in fire in his eyes and full force. And he is coming back and he's waiting for people, the church, he's waiting for his church to be filled. So what is Christmas about? It's really about Jesus Christ. It is when he came and it's when he's coming again. And for us to be those people, they're gonna say, you know what? We are committed to partnering with him in his grand mission called the Great Commission so that all may hear and all may know and all have an opportunity to respond to him, to know that there is a bridge, his name is Jesus, that can be between my sins and my broken human nature and a roadmap and a place to connect with God. That is what Christmas is. We give gifts and we celebrate, but that is what our lives are about. If you are a Christian, you are a Christ follower. You are to carry this message in you wherever you go. And you'll probably get rejected along the way. Kids, you'll probably get made fun of one day when you tell someone about Jesus. He was made fun of too, by the way. He was rejected too, by the way. But he knew 
that his father had asked him, here's the mission I have for you. And he's passed that same mission on to us. He's saying, share my love, share my life, share my light with people. So as we reflect on Christmas, I wanna end by reading a familiar passage, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Did you know that? Jesus came so that the world might be saved through him, not destroyed through him. He wants to save people. Sin nature wants to destroy. God nature wants to redeem. That's who we are worshiping. That is what we are celebrating. So when we think about the Christ child, when we think about Jesus being born in the major, think, wow, this is the moment, this is the turning point in history to where God put his stamp and said, now he's here. Now we're gonna speed things up. Things are gonna get sped up now. Jesus came, now we're 2,000 years later, and you know what, those words still ring true. When's he coming back, guys? Soon. We don't know when that is, but he's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. So here's how we're gonna end this morning. Um, we are going to take our candles. You got those, go and grab those. And we do this at Christmas Eve because we want to remind ourselves that Jesus passed on the torch, so to speak, to us to spread the good news. That it is good news that Jesus Christ came and that he's coming again. It's really good news. And that people need to know that news. They need to hear it. They need to have the opportunity to hear about it and respond to it. They may not respond that day and say, I wanna follow Jesus. They may wait five years, 10 years. But if you will sow the seeds and spread the good news, the light of hope, the light of the gospel, then God is faithful to fulfill his promises and meet people where they are. So I'm gonna light this candle I think I've got some helpers up here. They're gonna be lighting and spreading this light around. So as we do that this morning, I'm gonna have a stand. Oh, we're gonna relight, so no problem. And I want you to spread light to one another. And as we do this, it's not just lighting a candle. It's symbolic. It's meant to be that we would take this as a new charge and a fresh commitment to spread this light of hope because he's it. He's the only one that can redeem the people in this world. He's the only one that can create true peace is Jesus. So spread this light around to those in the room and we'll sing together.